0: good morning thanks for being here thanks for braving the, the weather and making it out this morning um, It's great to see you guys and uh, I guess I just want to say thanks to Matt and Kenton and our elders and, um, for yeah allowing me the opportunity to be part of the pastoral staff of this church um, I uh, mean this when I say it that I don't I don't believe I'm God's gift to this church I um, but I truly am humbled and I'm grateful um, and, and honored by the opportunity to be uh, called a pastor of this church. Um, and really, when it comes down to it, I'm just excited to walk alongside each and every one of you um, as a fellow brother who's seeking Jesus and trying to be more like him. Um, so thank you for that opportunity. Um, and thanks for the opportunity um, to be up here this morning to share God's word with you as we kind of close out this belongs series. Um, That has been an incredible series. How many of you have really, really enjoyed this series? Yeah, it's been really, really good. And um, hopefully you've been able to be here through all of the weeks. But if you haven't, I'll just say, you know, go to our website. um, Catch up on the messages that you may have missed. Um, It's really, really good stuff. And I'll say this to you. I said this to the first service, but keep the sermon series in your back pocket as well. It's always on our website, but, you know, as we move into... The winter months and things come up, you know, we, we have this tendency to, you know, kind of lose our desire for community easily. You know, so if that happens, come back to these terms and listen to them and hopefully you'll be challenged and uh, encouraged by them. But uh, just to catch you up kind of on where we're at today as we close out this series, um, we started back in week one and Pastor Matt kind of gave us an introduction to this series and talked about the fact that we need to find the Father and His family. And really, that being that, you know, that we've been created by God for community. And to experience that fully like we're intended to, well, we need to have a relationship with God the Father first. And then be brought into His family so that we can experience that like He intended. And then in the second week, Pastor Matt, again, next slide there, talked about the fact that we need to show up so we can all grow up. And that's kind of the the intentional attitude of community, you know, that to grow in fellowship with one another, we need to be present. We need to make it our goal to be in relationships, to show up so that we can all grow together. Um, And then for our family service in the week that followed, Matt talked about the fact that second place wins and how selflessness is key. It's crucial to community and how we're called to follow the example of Christ in that. And then Pastor Sawyer uh, stepped in and gave us a great message really on the power of vulnerability in our relationships and how God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And that to experience relationship with one another, we need to be able to open up and let people into our lives. Um, And then following that, Pastor Matt gave us a practical message on the fact that everybody longs for a listener. And in this society that we live in that has a kind of a me-first mentality, um, we need to be better listeners and show the value and worth of others by being present and listening. And then last week, um, Pastor Matt talked about the fact that we need to be empowered together and how God has gifted us, given us spiritual gifts uh, to contribute to the body and to build one another up. And if you're not serving somewhere... I want to encourage you to take that step of faith and plug in somewhere in our church. Serve somewhere and continue to, to invest in this community in that way. So, so that's a little crash course of where we've been the last six or seven weeks. And um, this morning we're going to take a little bit of a different turn in this uh, series as we kind of close it out. And I'll say this, that if, if any of you know me or don't know me, um, Pastor Matt talked a little bit about the fact that I have had a rough experience in the church in my past, um, and that's part of this. But over the past three or four years of my life, have been some of the hardest, roughest years that I've experienced in relationship to my family. It's been a really rough season, and um, you know, not to you know give details and different things like that. Um, but all I can say is there's been a whole lot of sin, a whole lot of pain and hurt and brokenness in relationships, and a lot more conflict. And I can tell you, I've tried to honor God in the process um, that has kind of unfolded. um, And as I've done that, uh, there's been so many times in which I've sat before the Lord alone, and I've wondered, why don't I just walk away? What is the point of sticking by these people? And if you've ever experienced any kind of conflict in your life or in your relationships with others, maybe you've asked a similar question like that. You know, we love community, um, we love relationships, and, and being built up and encouraged when everybody's getting along and it's all smooth, right? But what happens when things start to creep into our relationships that kind of pit us against each other? Maybe it's fear, maybe it's shame, maybe it's past hurt, maybe it's competition. And the want to be recognized over other people. Whatever it may be. What happens? What do we do when community starts to break down? Things start to threaten uh, our relationships with one another. Why not just walk away? What is our responsibility as Christians? Well thankfully, I am not the only one. And if you've ever asked those questions. We're not the only ones who have had to wrestle uh, with those questions. In fact... Back in the first century of the early church, there was a group of people who also were not getting along very well. And there was a lot of division in the church um, over some things that were going on. And the Apostle Paul, who I'm sure you might be familiar with, um, he took a couple chapters of the book of Romans and dedicated dedicated it to addressing this issue that was going on in the church at the time. And really, take this chapter to address You know, what, is it, what are we called to as Christians when conflict and disagreements enter into our relationships. So if you've got a Bible with you and you want to follow along there, uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to go to Romans chapter 15. Otherwise, um, the words will be up on the screen and we'll get to this verse in just a second. But um, the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church that was located in Rome at the time. And um if you haven't read the book of Romans, I'll just say this. You should read it. Um, take some time this week. It's not very long. Carve out a couple of minutes a day or so and just read through the book. It's, it's fantastic and it's the clearest exposition of the gospel and it's changed my life. So I encourage you, you know, read it. Um, but when we come to the last few chapters of the book of Romans, Paul's kind of addressing some practical aspects of what it looks like to live in community with one another as Christians. But like I said, there was this conflict going on between groups of people in the church, and it was causing a lot of division, and it was causing Christians to judge each other. And Paul takes all of Romans 14 to kind of talk about that issue and address it. And um, because of that, we come to chapter 15, and it's kind of the conclusion to what that argument, to what that discussion was. Um People were judging each other, like I said, there was a lot of division. Basically, what the issue was, and I'll encourage you, if you want to go to Romans chapter 14 and read that, to get a more detailed idea of what it was, you should do that. It's all right there. But basically what was going on is that there was a group of Christians in the church who thought they were better than everybody else. They thought that by the way that they were living, they were more spiritual than everyone, and they were judging everybody else who wasn't following them in that same lifestyle. And so Paul addresses that in chapter 14. And when we come to chapter 15, like I said, we're looking at the conclusion to that. And it's kind of Paul stepping back and addressing everybody in regards to how we're called to relate to one another as believers. Especially when things like conflict and disagreements are in the background. So without further delay, let's jump in to chapter 15, verses 1. And verse 1 says this, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So consider the context that I just brought you kind of up to speed on. And think about what Paul's saying here. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Do you notice that Paul doesn't address the people who are actually in the wrong in this, necessarily. He doesn't look at the people who are failing their brothers and sisters, who are in the wrong in their treatment of them, and he doesn't look at them and say, you need to change your perspective and grow up. He addresses the strong, the people who are on the right side of this argument, and he urges them and encourages them to be the ones to lower themselves to the help and support of their brothers and sisters. Now, doesn't that seem a little bit backward? I mean, these are the people who have the right to walk away, who have the right to do what's best for them, and yet these are the ones, Paul says, to stick around, encourages us to stick around. I love the way Paul starts us off here, and I think it's so important, because right out of the gate, he, he brings us back to the fundamental reality that as Christians, we have an obligation to one another. We're not just a group of people who happen to get together on the same day of the week, in the same place, at the same time, and who happen to believe some of the same different things. As followers of Jesus, as Christians, we are much more than that to one another. And the Bible makes very clear that as those who have been redeemed by Christ, we've been brought into the family of God so that we are family. We're called the sons and daughters of God and brothers and sisters in Christ. And as family, you look out for your own, right? You guys met my wife, Leah, and our two daughters a second ago. Our oldest daughter is Ray, and she's two years old, and our youngest, Eliana, she's just a month old now. Um, and we love them dearly. And we're already starting to teach Ray, our older daughter, that we love our sisters. We watch out for our sister. We watch over her. We help her. Even when she's fussy. Even when she's needy. Even when she wakes us up at night and we don't get a lot of sleep. We love our sister. We watch out for her. We're committed to her. And as Christians, in the same way, not only do we hold the most important part of our lives in common with one another, but there's a commitment there by the relationship that we've been brought into. And that's what Paul is bringing us to right out the start. That when things like conflict enter into our relationships and threaten to pull us apart, challenges us to sit back, take our eyes off ourselves, and come back to the reality that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a responsibility to look out for each other. And I wonder how many of our relationships might be different if that was our perspective. nevertheless, Paul doesn't stop there. Uh, He takes this command a whole step further in verse 2, and he says, each of us should please our neighbors for his good, to build him up. So when it comes to how we're called to relate to one another as Christians in community, whether in conflict or not, not only are we to stop making ourselves the first priority, we're called to pursue our brothers and sisters solely on the basis of what is good for them, to build them up. And I don't know if you're seeing it or not, but this is a radically different message than what we hear communicated through the lines of our culture every day. I'll show you a small example of that in just a second, but how many of you know the name Haley Steinfeld? got yeah, one. Nice. <laughs> um, so she's a, an actress, a musician, a pop artist, and she wrote a song called Love Myself. And it's almost funny, um, but here's the, here's the chorus, what it says. It says, gonna love myself. No, I don't need anybody else. Gonna love myself. No, I don't need anybody else. I love me. Can't help myself. No, I don't need anybody else. Day, anytime, day or night. I love me. Now, I get that that's kind of an extreme example, maybe, but, you know, from an individualist kind of perspective in our culture, that's the mindset that's promoted and encouraged. That's okay. And it's the mentality that at the end of the day, what matters most is you and whatever makes you happy, no matter what anybody else thinks or says. It's the mindset. That at the end of the day, you don't need anybody but yourself. And all that matters is your opinions, your preferences, your ways of thinking about things, your ways of doing things. And if people fit into that, great. But when someone offends you or hurts you, you don't need them. When someone um, disagrees with you, you can avoid them. You can cut them off. If this group of people isn't doing it for you, can go somewhere else, find someone who will. But look at the contrast in what Paul is saying. Even those who are failing you, treat them in a way that builds them up. Even when you've been frustrated by people or hurt by them or disappointed in your relationships, pursue what is best for them. That's a really different way of thinking. And I think it's so interesting that Paul calls us to that. You know, the the way to true community doesn't begin with me. It begins with the commitment to pursue the other person's good, even if it costs me something. And it's a really different way of thinking. So the first point that I kind of want you to grab hold of here today is this. You can go to the next slide. Community is not an invitation to comfort or convenience. In other words, community, Christian relationships, are not about you. The only way through conflict and the only way toward true community is through a selfless love that sees the best interest for the other person even if it means my expense. And if you disagree with me you don't believe me, let me show you what our next verse says. Chapter 15 verse 3 says For even Christ even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. The selfless love that we're called to display toward one another is rooted in the example of Jesus to each and every one of us. The Son of God, God himself, who stepped down from the glory of heaven and who had every right to demand everything from us, Mark 10.45 says that even the Son of God Son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The ultimate act of setting self aside for the good of another person is found in the reality that Jesus Christ willingly sacrificed his own life for the salvation of you and I. Even though we were his enemies and our sin was the greatest insult to God. Even Jesus didn't make it about himself. But he pursued what was best for us, even to the point of suffering and death. So, when we find ourselves at odds with people, or frustration and disappointment and disagreements threaten to kind of pull our relationships apart, the only way toward true community and reconciliation is through the same humility that drove Christ to put himself aside for us. And it's important to realize when we talk about this, when when we look at commands like this from God's word on how we're called to love one another that we realize that this is not a call to passivity. This is not a call to tolerance. And just kind of laying down and let everybody walk all over us. I hope you see That this is a very active form of relationship that takes a lot of courage, a lot of faith, a lot of intentionality. And to be honest with you, relating to one another in this way is not easy. And it can look a lot of different ways. Pursuing what's best for another person to build them up, following in the footsteps of Jesus. You know, Sometimes it does look like letting something go, even when you feel like you have the right to hold on. Sometimes it looks like being willing to show grace, you know, even when it's undeserved, without letting that person kind of dangle. Sometimes it may mean humbling yourself to admit where you've been wrong, seeking another person's forgiveness. Sometimes it may even look like confronting another person because you see something in their life that isn't right, and you know that it's in their best interest for you to say something. Whatever it is, however it may look, I think it always, if we were supposed to follow the footsteps of Jesus, it always starts with asking the question, what would Jesus do? And then faithfully trying to walk ahead in our relationships with one another. I mean, think about how many conflicts could be avoided. Or, or could even end in a beautiful way if each and every one of us approached one another with that question in mind, what would Jesus do here? What would he say to this person? How would he respond to this situation? It won't be easy, and it'll probably be uncomfortable. It may even make you look a little bit weird. But we have a perfect example in Christ to follow in that. But Paul doesn't just stop at the example of Christ. He moves on in the next verse, and he says this, for, it, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. One of the things we've heard a lot about through this series is the fact that you know, we're created for relationship, right? And we, we thrive and we're most satisfied when we're in connection with other people. And that's 100% true. But can we be honest with ourselves too that we're really just not that good at it. I'm not that good at it. And and we certainly don't tend to put other people as the first priority when things like conflict get the picture. You know, the Bible's clear about the fact that we um, were created for relationship, but it's also clear about the effects of sin in our lives. And those effects that we wrestle with and we deal with, You know, they're not an excuse to put ourselves above other people or avoid people when things get hard. But, you know, Paul is saying that, you know, as we work this process out in our lives and in relationship with one another, um, it's something that's learned. Doing community in this way, relating to one another on the basis of Christ's love for us, is something that's learned. You know, we don't just wake up one day and start loving everybody like Jesus said, or treating everyone like Jesus does. It's something that takes practice, it takes time, it's a process, and, and it's uncomfortable often. It doesn't come naturally often, and a lot of times we even fail at it. But as we engage in that process with one another, we have the example of Jesus to follow, like we saw in the last verse. And here we have the instruction of the Word of God. To instruct us, to teach us, to encourage us, to persevere in our relationships with one another, and to move us forward in hope. But here's the thing, guys. I'll say I want to say something that may sound a little bit crazy, um, maybe offensive, I don't know. But just hear me out, follow me. Even the examples of Jesus. And even the the instruction of the word of God, it's still not enough to make us love one another like we're called to. And that's why Paul, in the next couple verses of our text, says this. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind... In one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have the perfect example laid out before us, and all the instruction and in how to do that, but the only way that we will actually love one another like we're called to, is by the power of God Himself. The only way that we can display the selfless love of Christ to each other is if God himself fills our hearts with the same love that compelled Jesus to do what he did for us. That's not something we can muster up on our own. It's just not there. But we have a God who's gracious and who's compassionate and who's present to us and who gives us his Holy Spirit to transform our lives And help us to begin to see people as he sees them. And love as he loves. The only hope that we have toward unity in our relationships like this verse describes. The only hope that we have toward loving one another like we're called. And and when it comes down to the only hope that we have toward glorifying God in our relationships. Is if God himself is the one who's at work transforming our lives and our hearts so that we can see and love one another like he does. So as we kind of move out of this series into others in the future, and as we move into, farther into this year as a church, I want to encourage us, uh, encourage us with Paul that we shouldn't try to fulfill the commands of God to one another apart from him. Let's, why don't we, you know, rather than starting with all of the strategies and the techniques on how to do relationships better, why don't we start by calling on God and asking him to give us the mind of Jesus so that when conflict and frustration and disagreements and differences arise between us, we can follow Jesus and his example toward one another. Why don't we start by calling on God and inviting him into our community so that we can be a group of people in Denver who display what it looks like to live in selfless unity before a very conflicted world. A.W. Tozer is a great theologian from a little bit back, and uh, he has some great words to encourage us on how to do this. And he says this, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are, are in heart nearer to each other, than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. The point isn't that we just get along and we just tolerate each other. It's that in our relationships and in the way that we interact and treat one another, God is actually glorified. See, these relationships that we have on a horizontal level with everyone, are never something that was supposed to be disconnected from the vertical relationship that we have with God. And that's something that I, it's taken me a while to learn, if I'm being honest. It's funny, I mean, I shouldn't say it's funny, but um, I kind of stand in awe a little bit of, of God and his work in my own life, and Um, The fact that I have the privilege and the opportunity to be the community pastor of this church. Um, And and I say that because there was a very real period of my life, years back, in which I did not value Christian relationships at all. In fact, I kind of thought that they were a waste of time. I liked Jesus, I loved the gospel, but Christian relationships never did much for me. And I thought that they were kind of an optional part of this faith that we have. And I didn't need them. And it's only been year after year that God has continued to open up my heart. And help me to see a little bit more of who he is and his word. And bring me face to face with the reality that he's created us in such a way. That we desperately need each other as Christians in this world. And that you and I... Are actually part of the process of what God is unfolding in each of our lives. You ever thought about that? That's why Paul is telling us here that we don't just walk out and abandon our relationships when things get sticky. That's why he's saying, you know, we don't just go somewhere else and find a new group of people when we might be a little bit hurt or offended or our expectations don't get met. Community is not an invitation to comfort or convenience. It's a call to something so much greater. And that's really what I believe Paul wants us to see in this text. So if I have one big idea to kind of leave you with from this passage and as we close out this series, it's that community is a call to live out the gospel. Community is a call to... To live out the gospel. And I think that the last verse in our passage. Says it better than I could. Romans 15.7 says. Accept one another then. Just as Christ accepted you. In order to bring praise to God. Relationships with one another as Christian. Is a call. To live out the gospel in relationship with one another. To follow the way of Jesus in how we treat each other. You see, the reality of it is, is that each and every one of us have sinned and fallen short. We've all failed to live up to God's standards. And we've all in our lives at one point or another, on some level or another, we've put something else above God. And the Bible calls that sin and it tells us that sin is not only harmful to our lives... But that it ultimately results in separation from God. And that even though God had the right, every right, to attack us in his wrath against sin, or to withdraw his presence from us and leave us to our own, the Bible tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, moved toward us in love and in grace. And even though we didn't expect him to, or, want or even ask him to, Jesus... Confronted the issue of our sin that stood between us and he put him on he put it on himself and he went to the cross and he died in our place. The innocent for the guilty. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the grave victorious and he conquered sin and death and evil forever. And now he invites each and every one of us into a relationship, into fellowship, into reconciliation with him. That's the gospel. And that's what we're called to live out in relationship to one another. You know, the gospel is not just this one and done past act. It's something that's central to our lives as Christians, and it's what our relationships with one another should flow out of. Living out the gospel to one another looks like we've seen. Loving one another with the other person's best interest in mind. Living out the gospel means... Showing grace and kindness and compassion when it's not deserved or when we might not get anything out of it. Living out the gospel means inviting people into a relationship of peace and acceptance and grace and pointing them to the truth regardless of what they look like, regardless of where they've come from or how much money or wealth they may have or not have. It means always seeking peace, always seeking reconciliation in the face of conflict and when there's things that are pulling us apart. It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally a lot of times, and it's certainly a process that each of us need to learn. But the reason why we don't just walk out on people who hurt us, the reason we don't just withhold forgiveness... Or judge Christians who may think a little bit differently than us. The reason that we can push through difficulty. Is because that's what Jesus has done for us. And that's what he continues to do for us. And we're called to live that out in relationship with one another. Community is a call to love like you have been loved. To forgive as you have been forgiven. And to move toward one another in grace. Not letting things get in the way. When we choose to embody the gospel toward one another in this way, I really don't believe that there's any limit to what God can do in our relationships with one another and the transformation that can happen across our city. So as we close out this series, as we close out this sermon this time together and the band comes forward, I want to encourage you. I believe the word of God invites you to follow Jesus in the gospel in your relationships with one another. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, but you feel like God might be calling you to step out in faith and trust Jesus with your life and your salvation, I want to encourage you to do that. Come to the back of the lift while the song's being played and let me or Matt or one of our staff and elders pray with you and walk you through that process. If you're here today and you're in conflict with another person, I want to encourage you gently to begin, if you're not already, to take steps to follow Jesus again, his example. I want to challenge you to lovingly confront the issue that's standing between you and another person, and ultimately, in the end, invite reconciliation and relationship. And for all of us, as we kind of move out of this series, you know, that's very tied to community, and we move into this year as a church together, I want to encourage all of us to begin relating to one another and to the world around us by asking the question, what would Jesus do? And as we do that, pray that God will give us the mind of Jesus Christ and the faith to step out of whatever way Let's pray. God, we believe that you are the God who gives endurance encouragement. And we pray that you, oh God, would give us the mind of Jesus Christ so that we can love one another like Gina and so that with one voice in one mind in a spirit of unity we can bring glory to you in our relationship in the name of Jesus